Well, hello, friends. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm the creative pastor here, and I'm just honestly really expectant for what I believe that God wants to do, not just in my heart, but in your hearts today. This week, um, God has been talking to me about this simple idea that every name has a story. Every name has a story. So my first name is Brian. It was given to me by my dad. He thought it was a strong sounding boy name. And what he tells me, and I am not lying to you, he says that he picks it because there was a lot of B's and a lot of R's in it, which was always confusing to me because according to my math, there's one B and one R. But whatever, I love my dad, so we'll give him a pass on that one. My middle name is Everett. And my mom chose this name. It was her dad's name, which is my grandpa. And my grandpa is a great man. He was a school teacher until he was 40. And then at 40, he decided he wanted to become a lawyer. So he went back to school and he practiced as a patent attorney until he was 92 years old. And so when I think about my middle name, I think that it's never too late to do the things that God puts on your heart to do. I like my middle name. My last name is Barron's. And this is my family name. And I love my family, and I used to like my last name right up until junior high when my science teacher, Mr. Peischer, told the whole class that the only way that he could remember my last name was by thinking about two bears' butts bumping together. He said, bear ends, and he made some gesture like this, and he said, get it? And everybody laughed. And after that, everybody called me Brian Bear Butts for a couple weeks there. And I didn't really like my name. You know, every name has a story. And even more than that, every name has a consequence. Some names actually open doors and other names close them. Some names carry with them a certain weight and a certain respect and others actually carry with them a certain level of shame. You, you know, I wonder if we're being honest, even in this room or at home, if you've ever been called a name that's made you think differently about who you are. I remember the first time this happened to me, I was in sixth grade and there was this girl that I liked and I was trying to talk to her emphasis on trying because I was not being very successful, but I was doing my best. And after a couple minutes of awkward conversation, I remember she looked me straight in the face. I remember it as clear as day. And she said, man, you're kind of weird. And it wasn't even mean spirited. It was just an observation. But I still remember that feeling of being labeled. It's the first time I can remember actually taking a name that wasn't mine and tagging myself with it. I said, I am weird. A couple years later, it was the eighth grade and this kid named Dean called me a poser because I'd gotten a new pair of DC skateboarding shoes that I just loved and he didn't think I was a skater. And so he said, you are a poser because I walked into school wearing these shoes. And I laughed it off in the moment. But because of that comment, I never wore those shoes again. And I really, 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 really liked them. And they were really comfortable. So it was a gosh darn shame. But I learned two things that day. I learned I was a poser. And I'd never known that before. And I realized that I probably shouldn't try new things. Because I didn't want that label to continue to repeat itself and to become more of who I am. You know, it's crazy to me how much these simple little words... These simple little names that we're given have such a profound impact on our lives. Without even realizing it, these names that we take on can shape and form the way that we think about ourselves. 
and they can even influence what we believe that we're capable of. And for some of us, the names that we carry actually impact the way that we believe we should be treated. That's why in Proverbs 22, I love this verse. It says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. So if you had in front of you a good name or great riches, we're going to choose good name. Why? Because a good name actually has great value. A good name actually has great power. I don't know whether you know this or not, but the names that you are carrying right now in this instant as you sit here in the auditorium or you sit wherever you are watching this or standing, they're either making you feel powerful or powerless. The names that you are carrying with you are either steering you in the direction of God's purpose for your life or they're unintentionally steering you in the opposite direction. The names that you're carrying are either making you feel worthy or worthless, and God right now in this moment is holding out an invitation. He's saying, please choose worthy. Please choose powerful. Please choose the names that are going to subconsciously even steer you towards the direction of my purpose for your life. And so my prayer today, I want to pray for us, but my prayer is simply that the Holy Spirit would make it easy for us to not just know the names, not just hear the names, not just see the names that God has given us, but actually put them on in such a way that they change the trajectory of our lives. So would you pray with me, Holy Spirit, right now in this moment... God, would you make it so easy for us to see the counterfeit names that we've placed on ourselves? Would you make it so easy to see the lies that we've been told that we've bought into? Would you make it so easy for us to lay those things down so that we can pick up something greater? We can pick up something better. We can pick up something godlier. Jesus, we want to leave this place different. God, I am so disinterested. And just leaving this place with more ideas, but doing the exact same thing. God, we want to be transformed into your image and your likeness. And we believe that there is power in the names that we take. And so, God, would you help us? Because we know that we are helpless to do this work on our own. We need your power. We need your spirit. So, spirit, would you fall? God, give us a spirit of humbleness. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see that which you would have for us. And would you give us the boldness and the bravery to pick it up and to actually put it on and live it out? We love you, Lord. Give us boldness today. Let us listen with bold ears, eager not just to hear, but to do. Because we love you. God, this is all for you. We ask that you would be glorified and magnified in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Man, all right, we're going to get to work. We're starting in Isaiah 43. It says this. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. I'm going to keep going because it's so good. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And all God's people again said, Amen. So the first thing I want you to know is that there's power in a name. I want you right now turn to your neighbor and say, there is power in a name. If you're at home, would you put that in the chat? There is power in a name. 
There's power in a name because what we're doing when we're actually naming something is we're taking something common and we're making it specific. So I don't know why this is where my brain went, but yesterday I was like, hey, it would be like if you had a tree out in your backyard and you decided to name that tree Woody. That tree is no longer just another tree. That is your tree. That is a connection. When we name something, it actually communicates value. It communicates relationship. It communicates a certain level of knowing and connection and value. And I guess what I really want you to know is that when, good, when God looks at you, he doesn't just see another face in the crowd. God doesn't just see another one of his kids. Scripture says he knows you by name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows your greatest strengths and your greatest weaknesses. He knows your thoughts and your insecurities and your doubts and your dreams and your fears and your passions. And even in his absolute knowing of you and all of your beauty and all of your brokenness, he is not disappointed in you. He is not let down. He is actually filled with affection. My friends, when God looks at you, he is filled with love. And what I've come to realize is that when you love something, you give it a new name. So I don't know if you realize this or not, because this kind of operates on the subconscious level instead of the, 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 the conscious. But without really thinking about it, you and I, or, or a lot of us at least, tend to name the people and the things that we feel the closest to. Let me see if I can convince you of this. So uh, the easiest uh, example that I can give is my wife. So I've been married to my wife, Kristen, for seven years now. And she is my person. She's the best. She's beautiful, wonderful. She's the love of my life, all that stuff. But what I was realizing about my wife this week, as I was thinking through this concept of named and calling things, I actually rarely call my wife by her given name. I rarely call my wife Kristen. You know, I don't think I've ever gotten home from work and say, Hey, Kristen, so good to see you today. Hey, Kristen, I really missed you. I don't think I've ever said, hey, Kristen, will you pick up my clothes from the dry cleaner on the way home? The way that I know I've never said that is because I've never actually gotten anything dry cleaned before. <laughs> but on a more important note, I never call, or I'll say I rarely call my wife Kristen by her name, Kristen. I don't call her Kristen, I call her beautiful. I don't call her Kristen, I call her love. I don't call her Kristen, I call her sweetheart. I call her bug. I call her all sorts of names that I'm not going to share with you because I don't want to embarrass her and I don't want you to vomit too much in your mouths. <laughs> but here's what I want you to see. Is, it, it's not out of obligation that I do this. It's not even something I do on purpose. It's something that happens naturally. My love for my wife has actually moved me to give her names that aren't common, that aren't the names that anybody who would know her and say, hey, Kristen, no, I actually need coming out of this place of love for her a new way to describe that relationship. So I have given her names that are unique to us and the experiences that we've had and the places that we've gone and the life that we share. It's not enough for me to say, hi, Kristen, I need to say hi, love, hi, beautiful things that actually describe our relationship. This is what naming something does. It actually makes what's common specific. And friends, this is what Jesus has done for you when God says, I have called you by name. It's not just your given name that everyone calls you that he's talking about. This is every name that God has ever given you. And I don't know if you know what those names are. That's what this series is hopefully going to do in us, awaken that God has actually loved us so incredibly much that he has just 
given us name after name. So he doesn't just say your name. He says, you are mine. He says, you are my special possession. He says, you are the object of my affection. He says, you are the apple of my eye. He says, you are my chosen people. He says, you are my beloved. He says, you are a friend of God. You are the light of the world. He doesn't just call you by your name. He says, you are the object of my affection. I have great love for you. And in preparation for this series, we actually created a list of all the names that God has for you, his people. And when I saw this list, I almost fell over because it is 23 pages long. I was just scrolling through and it's, it's name after 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 name that God has given to you. Why? Because of his great love for you. And when you love someone, when you love something, you give it a new name. And today there's so many names that we could pull from and talk about, but there's just one place that I want to start. There's one name I want to focus on, and that name is new creation. You are a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. You are a new creation. So I don't know what old names you might be carrying around today. I don't know what names that you were called, and I don't know what names you call yourself. Isn't it interesting, though, that oftentimes when it comes to the names that we receive, the worst names that we get don't come from others. They actually come from ourselves. Anyone want to fess up to that? It's in those moments where you look into the mirror and you don't like what you see, and you say, I'm going to call you broken. I'm going to call you something I wouldn't even say to somebody that I didn't like. I don't know, for you, I've called myself a failure. I've said, you are insecure. You are an imposter. You are a fraud. You are a liar. You are unlovable. You are a misfit. You do not fit in. You are. You are worthless. What value could you bring? You just mess everything up. So I don't know what your self-talk has looked like and what names you have given yourself, but here is what I do know. The Bible says you are not your old names. You are a new creation. It says you are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Another translation says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Can I get somebody to say amen? amen. So a couple things about this verse that I want you to see. First, I need you to notice what it doesn't say. So it doesn't say you will be a new creation. It doesn't say the new is on the way. It doesn't say the new is coming to a theater near you soon. It says it is here. Friends, it is on your porch. The wait is over. Open up the door and receive it. This isn't a future dream that we have to dream. This is a present reality that we get to experience. You are a new creation. Not you will be, not if you can do enough, this is what you will receive, you are new. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are new, and it might not feel like it. And when you look in the mirror, you might not see new, but scripture says, if you're in Christ, you might not see new, but you are new. And what God says about you is the ultimate reality of who you are. 
Second thought, this isn't a question, it's a statement. So you see what we oftentimes do in church, and I'm very guilty of this as well, is we listen to, to sermons or we, we, we read books or we read BuzzFeed articles about the seven different ways to be made new and we sit here and we talk about all the things that we could do better so that we could live into the names that God has given us. But here's the problem with that. That completely misses the point. You see, this isn't a request that God has made of you and I to make ourselves new. This is a declaration and a celebration of the fact that you have been made new through the work of Jesus on the cross. This isn't a question. This isn't a checklist. This isn't a you have to do this, 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 or this. This isn't a seven ways to do this. This is a declaration that you are new. And so we can spend our time in church talking about our shortcomings and our brokenness and the not enoughness that we see when we look into the mirror, or we can come together as one body and one voice and celebrate the work that Jesus has already done on our behalf and simply throw our hands in the air and worship and say, there was nothing I could ever do. There's no way I could ever earn it. I have fallen short in all of these ways. And yet you say in your scriptures that I am new, not because of what I've done, but because of what you did. Amen? I want you to look at your neighbor. We need to actually encourage people towards this. Say, you are new. You are new. Write that in the chat. I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. Friends, God has given you a new name. And that name is new. And friends, here's what I love about God. God doesn't just give us a name. He doesn't stop there. He's such an overachiever, guys. He's working even when you don't see him working. He's doing more when he's naming you than naming you. He's actually reframing the way that we're called to think about ourselves. And one of my favorite examples of this is in Matthew 16. This is so good. So uh, I'm going to read starting in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... Who do people say the Son of Man is? Which is another name for Jesus. He's saying, who do people say I am? The disciples replied, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others think that you're Elijah. Still others think that you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked. I'm not asking what they're saying. I'm asking, who do you say I am? And Simon answered, you're the, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are now Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is such an epic verse. And there's two big things that I want you to see that are happening here. So Simon is for the first time clearly seeing who Jesus is. And Jesus simultaneously is giving Simon a new name. So he, he gets called Simon Peter, but his name is Simon. That's just the author's way of letting you know, because there's other Simons that, hey, this is the Simon that becomes Peter. But this guy's name is Simon. And God gives him a new name, Peter. And up until this point, everybody knew that Jesus was special. That's what it's saying in here. Everyone knew he was special. Some people say he's John the Baptist, who just had this incredible reputation as just this, this, this fierce man of God. Some people thought he was a prophet, Jeremiah. But nobody had really realized that this was the Messiah. This was the Son of God. This was Jesus the Christ. So Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? I'm not asking what other people are saying. I'm saying you in those moments where it's just you, who do you think I am? 
what do you think I'm capable of? And, and in a moment of boldness, Simon perks up and he, he says, Jesus, this might sound crazy, but I think you, I think you might be the Messiah. I think that you are the son of God. And because of Simon's faith, Jesus gives him a new name. He says, we're not going to call you Simon anymore. We're actually going to call you Peter. But friends, there's more going on than a simple renaming. If you look under the hood, it's a reframing of who Simon was created to be. Because for those of you who know who Simon is, Simon, Peter, Peter becomes the guy he lops off at ear at the end of the story. He is proactive. He is reactive. He is loud. He's a fisherman. He is a loud mouth. He's a fighter. He is opinionated and outspoken. And personally, I think that it's a good thing Simon didn't ever have Facebook because I'm pretty sure he would have gotten in all sorts of trouble. Because restraint and nuance were not his A-game. This guy was, I'm going to talk. I'm going to say my mind. I'm going to speak my piece, and I am going to be bold. But here's what I want you to see. When Jesus saw Simon, he didn't see any of those things for what they were. He saw them for what they could be. So instead of seeing a loud mouth, Jesus saw a man of great passion. And he said, you know what? I can use passion. When it comes to building my church, passion is what I need. I need a people of passion. I need a people who have been transformed and who see me rightly. I need a people who are filled to the brim with passion and ready to go. And when he sees a man of strong opinions, Jesus doesn't just see strong opinions. He sees a man of conviction. And he says, oh yeah, I could use a man of conviction. So other people are seeing opinion, he's seeing conviction. And instead of seeing disruptive as a bad thing, Jesus actually looks out at the world and he says, you know what, there's actually some things in this world that need to be disrupted. And Peter, I think you might just be the man to do it. So instead of writing Simon off as an opinionated fisherman with a loud mouth, he sees a passionate man who was filled with conviction, who was a disruptor. And he says, Simon, I'm not going to write you off. I'm going to give you a new name. And that name is Peter from the word Petros, which means rock. I'm going to call you a rock. And don't miss what's happening. He is taking a man that many people probably thought were unstable, and he's saying, you are going to be a rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. What the world sees as unstable through me and in me is going to be a rock through which the pillar of the church gets built, and we get to look at what Peter does through God's Spirit, and we get to celebrate the work of God. He says, this is my rock, and I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. I mean, how can you not get fired up about that verse? The gates of Hades will not prevail. Again, not a question, a statement. The gates of Hades will not prevail. It's not a, are they going to, and I'm going to, no, they will not prevail. You see, Jesus isn't just interested in giving you a new name, friends. He's actually interested in giving you a name that's going to completely redeem and reframe the parts of your life that other people have mislabeled, that other people have looked past. He's actually going to call attention to that, that that's in you that's beautiful, that other people might have overlooked, or, or they might have been distracted by some of the other things that are more easy to see about you. Jesus actually looks to the core of you, or of who you are, and he doesn't see the brokenness. He sees the beauty. He doesn't see the obstacles. He sees the opportunities and the ways that you can be used in God's story. So he's actually reframing the way that we think about ourselves. He's not just renaming, he's reframing. And that's what we're invited to do as people, as a church, as a community, is to reframe and help us see the names that God has given us. 
So my wife and I have two beautiful baby girls. Our oldest is named Brooklyn, and our youngest is named Addison, or Addie for short. And our youngest, Addie, lights up every room that she goes into. Friends, her face is so squishy and adorable. I've never seen a squishier face. I brought a picture so that you know I'm not just making this up. Look at that squishy face. Oh my gosh, look at those cheeks. How can you not just give them so many smooches? But oh, let's go to the next one. She, uh, she'll drink water out of anything. I caught her the other day. She was uh, sucking on the soaker hose. Like this girl is just primed up and ready to go. Last picture. This is like a day in the life. She got drenched. She went through some uh, sprinklers, but she does not care. She is onward, forward. It doesn't matter if it's up or down. She's going to climb whatever mountain that she sees in her path. So that is Addie. That is our resident wild child. We thought that we had a wild child in Brooklyn, and then after we met Addison, we realized that Brooklyn was actually quite tame and well-behaved, and this new gift that God had given us actually revealed more about, oh, wow, there actually are wild people in the world. And she's got one of the most mischievous smiles I have ever seen in my life. I'm convinced that she's going to get blamed for so many things in life that she didn't even do because she's got what I call an RGF. And if you're wondering what an RGF is, it's a resting guilty face. (laughs) She just looks like she's up to trouble, man. And to her credit, she usually is. But let me tell you, friends, she has no off switch. She does not know how to stay still. And I'm not talking figuratively, I'm talking literally. She does not know how to stay still. She has no respect for the great game of football. The other day I was watching uh, our Hawks and she could have cared less about what was going on on the screen. She just kept running full speed over to the door and knocking on it like it was a drum. And I tried to redirect her, I tried to bribe her, I tried to feed her, I tried every trick in my parenting arsenal to manipulate the situation so that I could stay inside and I could watch the game. But I even went this far, friends, this is what I did. She would go over and I would like literally jump in front of her and I would pull a Gandalf and I'd say, you shall not pass. But she would just sprint and weave and duck and she would find a way to just carry on and just keep banging that drum of a door until finally her poor old dad relented and just, fine, well, let's go outside. The game wasn't looking that good anyway. <laughs> and as I was sitting out in the lawn in my defeat, trying to look through the glare of the window to check my precious scores, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Addie just reveling in her newfound freedom. And in that moment, I realized there was two ways that I could talk about my girl. I realized there might be moments where I'm exhausted, but that's not because she's exhausting. That's because she has more passion for life than she knows what to do with. She has more curiosity in her little body than she knows how to contain. And she has an insatiable appetite for living life to the full. And she won't ever let anything stop her. So when I talk about my girl, I have decided that you're never going to hear me say that she's exhausting. I'm going to say that she is relentless and bold and she's got grit. And you're never going to hear me say that she's a danger to herself because she'll literally jump off of anything without any regard for the human life. No, I'm going to actually decide to call that remarkably brave. And you're never going to hear me say that she's a little different. No, I'm going to say that she's refreshingly unaffected and uninterested in conforming to cultural norms. Why? Because those are the names and those are the stories that are going to lift her up instead of pull her down. 
God's not just interested in any old name. He's interested in names that are going to lift you up instead of pull you down. And I would be crushed in my spirit if my daughter grew up and had a story that her dad said that she was exhausting or busy or a danger to herself. No, I want her to say ever since I was a little kid, my dad told me that I have an insatiable curiosity. I am relentless in my pursuit of the things that I love. I have passion and conviction and grit and decisiveness. I am a world changer. I am a wonder and I don't back down from a fight because I am brave and I am bold and I was created to do great things. You see, God's not just interested in giving you any old name. He's interested in actually framing who you are and who you were created in such a way that it's the wind behind your back. That it pushes you towards the things of God. That you can be an agent of change. You can be an agent of healing. You can be an agent of love. You can be an agent of reconciliation. He wants to give you names that don't work against you, but work for you. Words that won't actually cut you down and make you think that you're small, but words that will actually make you see that you are powerful when you are in Christ. You are not what was old. You are not your old names. You're not the names that you've called yourself. You are a new creation. What's old is gone and what's new is here. And friends, I'm here today to tell you that you've got a dad. You've got a father who wants to reframe what you believe about yourself. He wants to rename that which has been mislabeled by the world. You have a father who's reaching out to you, begging you to let go of some old names that are holding you back so that you can have more capacity to lift up and actually pick up the names that God created you to live in. You have a dad. You have a father. You have a creator who wants you to know that you were created for more. You were created for purpose. You were created for greatness. And if you're holding on to old names that are getting in the way of you seeing that, then friends, it is time for some new names. It is time for some new names. And we got to start somewhere, so what better place than this? You are not old. You are not the old names that you've been called. You are new. You are a new creation. You are not what you see in the mirror. You are what God says about you. I need you to know this message, the heart of it, is not about trying harder or moral progress. I'm not that interested in that. This isn't a series about self-help and trying to do better or be better. This isn't a series where we're talking about, here's the seven ways that you could be made new. No, this is actually a celebration and a declaration of the fact that you have been made completely new, not by your own accord, not by your works, not by your good or doing good or trying hard, but because God and his great love for you, because of the richness of his mercy, has actually lifted you up and made you alive in Christ. This isn't a question series, this is a statement series. You are new, and it's not gonna be happening someday in the future if you are in Christ right now, whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not in the mirror, you are new, you are a new creation. What's old is gone and what's new is present. That's your door. The question's not, is it real? The question's, are you actually gonna put it on? Friends, I need you to know you are not what you did. You are not what's been done to you. You are not your failure. You are not your brokenness. And on the other side of things, you are not your strength. 
You are not what people say that you're good at. You are not what people compliment you for. You are not your looks. You are not what you bring to the bottom line. You are not the value you bring to your company. All of that is old ways of keeping score. And Jesus came on the cross to crush all those old ways and say, enough with the striving, enough with the trying to reach me. I've already come down to you. You don't have to try and jump up to me. You are not old. You are a new creation. What's old is gone and what's new is here. Friends, we need some new names. So as we close, I want to invite you into a moment of divine exchange. I've been praying for you all week. I really have. I don't know if you know this or not. Well, actually, I know that you don't know this, but I have been praying for you. I've been praying for boldness. I've been praying for clarity. Holy Spirit, would you make it easy for them to see the lies that they've been told so that they can pick up the truth that you desperately want them to have? because you want them to be wind from the back, pushing them towards your purposes. And so here's what we're gonna do. If you're here in purpose, you see some tables around the room and there's some tables, two in the front, two in the middle. I'll do my best uh, air traffic controller, um, but they've got name tags and they've got markers. And then there's two um, tables with crosses on them. And here's the invitation. And if you're online, obviously uh, th that isn't um, what your plan is. There's actually a place that's been designed just for you. Um, it's ctk.church slash named. And if you go there, there is an opportunity um, to actually uh, have a name tag that was created just with you in mind. And what we're inviting you to do is to ask God in the core of who you are, what is a name that you're asking me to lay down? What is a name that is holding me back? I don't know, it might be broken, it might be forgotten, it might be addict, it might be cheater, it might be liar, it might be hypocrite, it might be unworthy, it might be unlovable, or maybe it's on the other side of the spectrum, it's names where you've thought too highly of yourself. Maybe it's successful, maybe it's likable, maybe it's attractive, maybe it's actually your given name that you need to write down. I think too highly of me and I wanna be less like me and actually adopt more of an identity that's centered in you. Maybe there's something God's calling you to write down that might've gotten you far in life, but might be keeping you far from God. Is there a name that you call yourself? Is there a name that you've planted in the top of your soul and tagged yourself with that God might be looking to remove so that he can give you something better? And once you identify that name, we're gonna ask you to do something brave. We're gonna actually ask you um, in the room to go to one of the tables with markers and to take a name tag and write it down. If you're online, again, at ctk.church slash name to write that thing out and click submit. And what it looks like in the room is once you've written it down, you're not done yet. We're actually gonna invite you, if we can get the lights. We're actually gonna invite you to take a walk over to the cross. Because I don't know what you've been called but this I do know, we do not have the power to take these names off by ourselves. That's something that the Spirit does. And so when we're looking to do an exchange, we're not looking to do it in our own power. We're actually looking to, I'm, I'm ready. I, I've seen uh, the, 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 the object of your love. I've seen your love poured out on me and I realize that you would never love me this much if I'm worthless. So I'm gonna let this name die. And I'm gonna put it at the foot of the cross because this is the place of power. This is the only way that this can actually be a lasting moment. 
And here's what I need you to know. Anytime that God asks you to lay something down, he's always inviting you to pick something up. It's called an exchange. It's not just we're confessing something so that we can confess it. We're confessing it so that we have more capacity to receive that which God wants to give us. So we're going to ask you to lay down your old name, either at the cross in the middle or the cross here or online, and then pick up a new name. And what this is, is this a bookmark. It can go in any book that you're reading, but more than a bookmark, it's a reminder of who you are in Christ. It says, now this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid, because I've reclaimed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. And so we're going to pick these up because God's not just interested in us putting something down. He actually wants to give us something better. And so I'm going to pray. And I need you to know online and in person, we want this to be anonymous. What we're actually going to do um, a few weeks from now is we're going to take all of this, all of these broken perceptions of who we are, and we're going to turn it into a beautiful art piece. And so we're actually going to take it. We want it to be anonymous, but we want you to, uh, to feel so uh, a part of this online. We want you to go to ctk.church named, and we're actually going to write out the name, and we're going to include it because we want to take the brokenness in us and make something beautiful that reflects who God says we truly are. And so lay it down, and then we're going to pick it up. So I'm going to pray for us, then I'm going to release you to this. And we're going to worship by actually laying down something and picking it up. And once you're done actually putting that name down and picking it up, I want you to go back to your seats because in a few minutes, we're actually gonna sing a song together. We're gonna seal the deal by saying, we are who God says we are. I am not forsaken, I am a child of God. I am that which God says that I am. The old is gone and the new is here. So let me pray, Holy Spirit, I just wanna continue the prayers that I've been praying this week. God, would you give us a boldness? Would you give us a clarity? Would you make it easy for us to see the lies and even easier for us to pick that up that you've created us to live in? Lord, we love you, we trust you, you created us, you know us. There's nothing about us, God, that you don't know. And yet, when you look at us, you're filled with affection. You're filled with the Father's love for his kid. So God, would we receive that love in such a way that it propels us forward? Would we not strive for that which is already ours? Would what's ours be the thing that compels us to go out and tell the world that you are good? That we may have been what we've been called, but now in Christ we are new. God, your spirit would, we just sense it in this room in such a powerful way. Make us bold, make us bold and make us bold. God, this moment is all about you and what only you can do. So would you be glorified and magnified in it? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.